Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, Cracked fans. We are so excited to be welcoming our friends at Turna back to this show as a supporting sponsor moving forward. Now, of course, all of you tennis fans know Turna Tennis for their world-famous Turna grip, that iconic purple-colored grip you see on the rackets of so many different professional tennis players. But did you also know that they make the tackiest grip in the world? That's right, folks, the brand-new Turna Tennis Mega Tack Grip. It's the tackiest grip on the market. It starts tacky and, simply put, stays Stays tacky longer than any other grip you'll find out there. And if you tell your opponent, what do I use on my racket? I use the Mega Tack. You're going to be attacking with that Mega Tack from start to finish. If you've seen anything we do at Cracked Rackets, you know I'm a hairy guy. As you can imagine, I sweat when I play. The only grip that works for me is the Turn of Tennis grip. Of course, the Mega Tack taking things to the next level. How can you get yourself hooked up with a Turn of Grip today? It's simple. You're going to either find it wherever you buy your tennis goods. Goods, or you can email them directly by emailing sales at uniquesports.com. That's sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets sent you in the email. We would greatly appreciate that as they let you, them know that we sent you there. But more importantly, you'll get a free sample and they'll treat you as family moving forward. Again, you email sales at uniquesports.com. You mentioned Crack Rackets. You get the free sample. You get hooked up with our friends at Turner. Once you use a Turner grip, you're never going to turn anywhere else. Of course, again, ask them about about the mega tack, the tackiest grip on the market. Contact sales at uniquesports.com and get started with our friends at Turn of Tennis today. Uh, hello, uh, welcome to the Challenge Editor podcast. As a fantastic Challenge Editor podcast, we're going to start with the US Open this time uh, with a review of the US Open, predicted the qualifiers game that we had, and also with the draft pick that we usually do. Uh, I guess we can talk about the rules a bit later when we actually start doing that, if, if someone is unfamiliar with them. So let's just review the review our qualifier predictions first. Yeah, so you uh, kicked my ass five to three. Uh, you, you, you've been sort of incredibly consistent throughout the year. You've, you've got five, three times and four ones. Yeah, I sort of went three, five, seven, and then back to three. Uh, so I've been sort of more wildly inconsistent. Uh, but yeah, out of the first section, I picked Lestien, you picked Struf, but actually it was Enzo Quacon, uh, who I don't feel like we really discussed that much as an option, but he came through. Beating Puccini de Almeida, uh, Struff in three sets, and then Blanca no. Uh, yeah, was was this a surprise to you? We we did see him play some good tennis uh, this summer. Yeah, I, I remember talking about Quaco as some sort of a bit of a danger to Struff. Maybe it wasn't here. Maybe it was on another show about the qualifying that I did because I, I did like two of them. Uh, so I can't remember where I said what, <laughs> but mostly it was the same things. And I considered Quaco a, a danger to Struff, but generally I just felt that Lestien probably wasn't going to qualify. That came out right. Quaco was definitely the, the third option in this in this section. 
So yeah, not hugely surprising, but I felt like most people had in mind that this was going to be Quaco or Lest, uh, sorry, Quaco Struf or Lestien. And yeah, that just didn't end up happening. And in the second section, I got a point. Uh, you had Gilles Simon, who yeah. actually <laughs> produced a fantastic fight back against Michael Moe. And I went with Galan. I thought that Purcell was probably the only player that was dangerous to him. And Purcell was the was the guy who kept it close, satisfied with the speak, of course. Yeah, third section, I got a point with uh, Gilles Brauer. Uh, who came out of the section beating uh, Gaston Eliash. I think it was like, yes, Brower or something like that. But I also I, I, haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten used to it yet. It's, it's too much for me. Yeah. Uh, but we had a sort of the direct matchup in the final qualifying round, which is always fun, uh, between Brower and, and Job. Uh, Brower coming out on top, though. Um, yeah. In the fourth section, we had Del Bonis coming out, which we didn't see coming at all, I don't think. <laughs> uh, I, I was sort of worried of that they were going to get a point here after the first round where Quinn beat Escobedo, so we had our picks face off. But yeah, Federico Del Bonis coming out pretty much of nowhere. He's He struggled quite a bit to qualify here. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I even remember saying that I wouldn't be surprised with anyone qualifying in this section, but the seeds. <laughs> and it <laughs> ended up that the, the 30 seed Federico Del Bonis actually qualified. Uh, yeah, I'm still happy about my Eton Queen pick. Uh, I feel like Del Bonis mostly outlasted him. It was a bit of an optimistic shout, of course, with Queen, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, Del Bonis just has a lot of experience, and even though he maybe never did that well at the US Open, it makes sense that he qualified. He's got the weapons to play on hard courts, of course. It's just not a not a natural thing for him. And in the fifth section, I also got a point with Chris Eubanks. I think we were both very probably very surprised with Raúl Brancaccio because he took out your pick in the in the opening <laughs> round, and then almost took out Eubanks. He was actually three zero up in the in the deciding set, and kind of chalked it away. Then also Chris did some did some fine work at the end. So. I think Raul Brancaccio was the was the surprise of that section, but I'm happy that Eubanks got it through for me in the end. Absolutely. In the sixth section, we both went for Safilin, who actually lost to Koboli in the first qualifying round, uh, which was a bit a bit of a shock. Koboli then also beat Kuzuhara to make it to the final qualifying round, but there he was beaten by Tomasz Machac. Uh, who did who, who did not stop? Came straight from straight from Poland and just kept on chugging on, beating Kolarz, Kovalik, and then Koboli. Yeah, and in the seventh section, I also got a point with Nuno Borges. Our picks actually faced off in round two uh, because you had Govind Nanda. Borges didn't play well, like at all, in that qualifying section. To be honest with you, I mean, he barely. Uh, how uh, he was uh, he was down against Rybakov, I can't remember by how much, but down a lot in the deciding set against Maestrelli, uh, like five one in the tie break, three five in the in the set itself, I think. Uh, but he had the you know this section was easy enough that even playing at fifty percent, he somehow managed to get through it. Yeah, uh, and another qualifier that was a bit of a surprise to us, despite being seeded, Facundo Bagnis. Uh, coming out of this section, we I believe both went for Pospisil yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. Pospisil uh, lost second qualifying round to Seppi, uh, and yeah, but 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 Seppi couldn't take out Bagnis, who beat Tunglin Wu Kaichi Uchida, uh before taking out Andreas Seppi. Yeah, and in the ninth section, we also had a shared pick, and it was Radu Albot who somehow lost to Yuki Bambri in the opening <laughs> round. 
Yeah. How did that happen? I don't know. But honestly, in hindsight, whereas in, in section six, I feel like we were, well, sort of right not to go for Mahaj. It seemed like it was a 50-50 between Safiuli and Mahaj. Here, I mm -hmm. think we really should have gone Jiren Zhang. I mean, I... Yeah, I feel like we were sort of overrating through Haiti as a, as a first round opponent. Yeah, in that. probably that. Because Zhang was just... I mean, he, he, he was down in a 4-1 okay. set against Colarini, but he just had no issues whatsoever. And I think if Albot got through to the to the third round, Zhang would have given him a score similar to the to the one that he gave Bergs. Mm -hmm. uh, out of the 10 section came Alexander Richard, uh, beating your pick, Franco Agamemnon, in the final qualifying round, beating uh, my pick, Zachary Svaida, in the second round, and then he dealt with Furness back in the first qualifying round, six one six two. Uh, yeah, it's it's not really that much of a surprise when we look at it, I guess now. But we weren't really talking about him as a as a pick when we we're picking our guys. I mean, he was one of the dangerous players here for sure. I think this section was super even. Uh, I think Spida was a was a nice pick as well with how did how it ended out uh, ended up going. Agamemnon, I had the idea that in the third round he was probably going to be an underdog against whoever he plays, maybe not even Fairness, but just the fact that he had this these two very easy rounds at the beginning made me pick him, so no regrets there really. And in the 11th section we got one pick uh, right, uh, which we shared, I think this is the only, yeah, this is the only pick we shared and it was right. Mm -hmm. And Ibing Wu made it through, even though he had the toughest qualifying draw out of anyone. Uh, this yeah. was definitely an optimistic pick as well, but it ended up being right. And well, he's 33 and four for the year now. Yeah, he, he absolutely incredible. Be, beating Berankis, uh, Travalia, and Mutei. Mutei will also see in the main draw as a, as a lucky loser. Uh, so we'll talk about him later, but uh, very, very impressive. Like, I, I'm so excited to see just how far even we, we, we can take this. Uh, in the next section, we had Pavel Kotov come through uh, in straight sets, beating uh, Melijeni Alves, Ofner, and then uh, both of our picks, share pick Verdasco, who's also an lucky loser. Uh, but yeah, what did you think about Kotov here? Because it was a very interesting section, this. I see this as a bit of a parallel to the uh, French Open run, where he was like the best player coming out of the qualifying, and then landed, I think, what's a very similarly tough draw in the opening round. Like what Van der Zandshoek mm. was to him at Rangaros, Nakashima is somewhat similar to him at the US Open. So excited to see whether he whether he does it this time. But yeah, just another another stunning result in this year of Pavel Kotov that will probably take him to the top 100 if he keeps it up until December at least when he drops poorly. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, the... <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize it was like my turn. But you can talk about it. It's no, your. Yeah. It's your section. It's your section. The section number thirteen was Norbert Gombos getting me a point, uh, beating Jay Clark, uh, Jay Clark, Dmitry Popko, Hugo Grenier. Uh, of course, with Gombos, it can never quite be easy. Be periods where the game was lower, where maybe he was he was lower on himself, but he he came out of it every time. Uh, and you went with Passaro here, who actually won his first round, but then lost to lost to Grenier. Yeah, I'm satisfied with the Passaro pick, though. Like, I think he was maybe slightly weaker and hard than I expected. But if he won that third set, first set tiebreak against Grenier, who knows how the how the match would have ended up? That was actually the, you know, one of these matches where a, a very tight tiebreak just decides the outcome. 
mm-hmm. but my one of my regrets i think my biggest regret in this uh in this competition was not picking gombos here i have no idea what i was thinking about <laughs> and he actually went nine and zero in grand slam qualifying this year which i think on the women's oh, yeah. side is only matched by uh, fernanda contreras gomez uh Gombos skipped Wimbledon and I think Contreras Gomez wasn't yet in Grand Slam qualifying range for Australian Open uh yeah, and in the 14th section I think we both had Emilio Gomez and the pick uh, that went through I would have never really guessed it yeah. Brandon Holt who hasn't done anything at the challenger level since uh since winning these five ITFs who probably doesn't really have the weapons to succeed at that level and yet he won all matches in three sets uh I have to give a bit of a shout out to Dimitar Kuzma who said that one of his goals for this year was qualifying for a slam and then he lost in round three at uh, Ron Garros Wimbledon and the US Open so that's that's a bit of a shame there but it's actually all his fault because all the matches were winnable it was Rodriguez Taverna at the French at Wimbledon it was uh, Quaco and here it was Holt so nothing you know nothing that he cannot do especially Holt here I think yeah, in section 15, we both went for Stricker, who went out first round to Borna Goyo. Uh, you sort of called them the, the the two most dangerous players within that section. But Goyo lost to Bonadio. Uh, surprisingly enough, huge shout out to Ricardo Bonadio, who uh, beat Foretek and then Goyo, uh, but lost ultimately to Maximilian, Maximilian Marterer, who is uh, the qualifier of the section. Marterer beat Duta da Silva, Taberner in a, in a third set tiebreaker, um, and then beat Bonadio to qualify. Now that I think about it, didn't Marterer have an exactly like very similar route? Yeah, he qualified the same way at Wimbledon, just playing free, free clay quarters, <laughs> and he did the same here, uh, which is pretty wild. And it wasn't even easy, uh, I guess. At the uh, at Wimbledon, it was it was slightly uh, nicer for him, just once at lost to Varias. Anyhow, in the 16th section, I got my last point with Nicolas Jari. Here, my methodology of when you think that there are two strong players and uh well two two strongest players in the section are playing each other in the first round you should go for someone from the other half here it worked i actually should have gone for it in section 15 as well because if i went with Marterer instead of goyo striker goyo striker uh, that would have worked out as well so maybe something to think about for the next slams uh, but yeah jerry jerry just came through even if he wasn't uh that clean losing sets to diaz acosta and fratangelo perhaps wasn't great but that, that win against Denis Novak is uh is what maybe i didn't expect i didn't even expect it to be so straightforward but but yeah five and three uh that that was the the end result and you're totally right that i'm very consistent with this like i feel like all of my results since I started doing that, which is probably like, I, I haven't counted, but probably like seven or eight slams, all of my results have been between four and six. I never <laughs> go up, I never go more than that. I never go lower than that. I guess it's fine. I mean, four, four, four to six is a pretty good result with how random US, random qualifying is, but you know, I have eight players in the in the final round and I'm already thinking of how about uh, if, if I get 50%, but obviously it never materializes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good fun. As I said, my results have been much more uh, erratic. Uh, but yeah, hopefully, I, I can I can you know step it up again, get back on that pattern, and, and get five as well next time in in Australia. Um, but with that, I think we can go over to our qualifiers draft, uh, where we have included the, the two lucky losers, Mute and Vedasco, as well, since there's a, an even number. 
we now get to play rock, paper, scissors over Zoom once again, which is always <laughs> very fun. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and the, um, I, I guess we have to just give some explanation of the rules quickly. All right, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you probably know how a draft week works, but uh, we, we just pick players that we think are going to do well in the main draw because we get five points if they win a match and one uh, per each individual set. So actually winning a match gives you eight points and the other the other points are just for uh, for winning sets in, in matches that you're that your players lose uh rock paper scissors is played because one person picks the, the first guy and then we go you know one two 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 until just one player is left and because there's an even number of lucky losers this uh, this time we can actually include them uh there, there's going to be 18 players in the pool and yeah now it's time to play rock paper scissors over zoom which is uh, something uh well great <laughs> I took scissors and Jakub had paper, and I'm very happy about it because I feel like for both of us, the first peak would have been even cool. Yeah. Uh, just maybe one word that he had, he's playing Basilashvili uh, in the opening round, and that's probably very, very winnable. And then he also plays um, Shelton or Borges, which again, he, he just beat Ben in Rome. Uh, Borges isn't in great form, so I feel like there's a very, very good chance that he is going to make the third round here. And if we've learned something playing this game, it's that uh, usually it's really about picking the, the players who are going to make that, you know, give you that these 16 points reach the third round. Although actually at the US Open last year, we had so many qualifiers go deep, like Ote, uh, Gojovcik, Van der Zandschul, yeah. that it, uh, the scores we got were like, I don't know, I, I, feel, I feel like I was close to 100 and sometimes it's about 20, 30 points for us both. So Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Yibing would, would have been my pick as well, but now I get to pick uh, Chris Eubanks, uh, who plays Pedro Martinez in the opening round, and Zhijian Zhang, uh, who plays Eitoven. Aye, aye, aye. Obviously, I wanted, uh, I wanted Zhang, because I feel like he has a, a pretty decent chance against Casper uh, Yeah, he's got Casper Root, so that, that's very playable for, for him, yeah. Yeah, that's that's like very optimistic because I understand that a lot of people will point out uh, Zhang's inexperience on the main tour, but just purely on how he's been playing in the past two months, it totally makes sense. Uh, okay, so Eubanks was actually going to be my fourth pick, I think. Uh, my third is, or actually maybe maybe tied with my third pick. Um, I want to go with Corinthe Mute next. He's playing Vavrinka, whom he already beat in. Uh, this is a lucky loser, of course. Um, he's playing Vavrinka, whom he beat at Rangaros, and I was pretty impressed with how he was just absorbing that power without any real trouble. He was actually winning all of the cross-court rallies, and maybe he can do it again here. I'm not sure who's actually, like, who that conditions in New York sweet more. Uh, and then I, well, I think these four were actually, like, my... at the, at the very top of my list, and then it's get, it, then it gets a lot more complicated. Um, then I have like seven next guys that I feel like can win sets, can potentially win a match, but you know, it's unclear. I think I'm going to go with Gombosh next because he's playing Ramos Vinolas and it's, it's possible. Like, it, it, it's nothing he cannot do. I don't think he's faced anyone of Ramos Vinolas's quality yet in, in qualifying, of course, no one who will get as many balls back. No, no one with such tr tricky spins, but, um, it's possible if he redlines for two or three sets. 
Yeah, for I, I really wanted to get Gombos. I was really hoping that he would drop to me here because I feel like he has a very decent chance against Ramos Vinolas on hard. Um, but I'm not going to go with the other lucky loser, Fernando Verdasco, who's playing Sun Wukwon. Um, then he has Rublev, so probably nothing there. And now we get into this, I think, slightly tougher area, and I'm going to go with Nuno Borges. Uh, he's facing off with Ben Shelton, who's obviously, you know, getting a, a lot of hype right now with all the challenger results and, and the, the Cincinnati run where he beat Rude. But I feel like Borges definitely has 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 a chance of, of winning this match. Yeah, I, I agree. Borges was one of the one of the guys on my uh on my list that that, that would be uh coming very soon. I think right now I will go for that. Pavel Kotov idea that he talked about a bit earlier because again I uh, as at the French he he's looked supreme in qualifying Nakashima hasn't quite had the summer that he was hoping for I think it's very possible that he snatches a set or maybe even wins it and um, I guess I have to go with Thomas Mahaj it, it, I don't think it's a good matchup for him against Van de Zandshulp, but it's uh, yeah it's it's just very possible he takes it and it's very possible he actually wins a set. I would be pretty surprised if the Dutchman won it in straights. All right. Um, I'm going to go with Heis uh, Bauer. He's playing Manarino. Manarino is just coming off of a, a title in Salem, but it was a very, very uh, difficult run for him. And next, it's really gone quite slim pickings here, I think, at this point. But I will go with Delbonis. Sure. I'll I'll go with Delbonis against Isner. Isner is obviously getting older. Uh the results, you know, he he did one Cincinnati, of course, but but they've dropped off a bit uh this season in general. Uh I could I could I could see Delbonis maybe getting a set there. It's all going to come down to the tiebreakers really in this in this matchup. Yeah, I think Delbonis was a bit lower down on my priority list, but yeah, at, at this point we're just sort of trying to find guys who could win sets rather than really thinking mm -hmm. about who can who can win the match. Um, I'd like to go for Jari. I think uh, it's a similar really cause as with um, Delbonis. Like it, it's a similar case because if he gets to tiebreakers, he can probably win sets, and he might with that serve. And uh, the other guy I'm actually kind of struggling on, I think all of them at this point are playing seeds. No, sorry, one guy is not playing a seed, but uh, he's actually quite uh, quite unrealistic to, to win the match. I don't know. Maybe let's try Marterer against Cilic. Does that make sense? I think it's possible that he that he takes the tiebreaker. Maybe maybe one set. Cilic isn't exactly the most even the most um, well the player you can rely on. Yeah, uh, Martire would have been next to my board. So instead, I'm going, I'm going to uh, go with uh, Ezekwako against Choric. Choric obviously, you know, won Cincinnati, but before then it was sort of you know mixed results a little bit. It's like I see him getting some sets. And I'll go with Alexander Richard against Ojeda Desim. Yeah, I, I totally get what you mean with Quaco. I I am very afraid that um, that charge is just not going to show up in his Cincinnati form. 
um, because we saw it in, for example, in Parma in June, that he was amazing in the tournament, actually served just like he did in Cincinnati, and then a few uh, a few of his next uh, appearances weren't this good. So uh, that kind of gives me some doubt. And we, I'm left with three guys. One of them will go to you, and two of them I will have on my team. And these are Daniel Elahi Galan, Facundo Bagnis, and Brandon Holt. I feel like I'm going to take Bagnis just uh, just simply because Corda is also kind of not trustworthy. Um, it's probably a fantastic draw for him anyway. He, he really should be clearing this up in three sets if we're thinking of Corda as still, I don't know, Grand Slam winning potential or something like that. Uh, yeah, but I'm not sure he will. And then I'm left with Galan and Holt. Uh, I think it has to be Galan, even though he's facing... Well, it's it's not even clear he's facing the better opponent. He's actually facing the higher seed, but who the hell knows? I think Fritz might actually go further than, than, than Tsitsipas in this event. Uh, but just playstyle-wise, Holt has nothing to hurt Fritz with, and Galan kind of does against Tsitsipas. It's it's pretty pretty uh, feasible to me that he can go to tie breaks or or something like that. Yeah, and, and so here I am with, with Brandon Holt, uh, probably the most surprising uh, person that's going to take part in the main draw, at least on the men's side uh, here. But yeah, I'm, we'll, we'll, we'll rock with Holt. We'll, we'll see if you can get anything against Fritz. Yeah, I, I feel like looking at the teams, this one is really, besides Wu and Zhang, whether they del they deliver, because it's important, and Eubanks or, or Mute, whether they take advantage of their position of a slight favorite it's it might come down to one of these guys whom we picked as you know they they will probably win a set which one of them actually does win the whole mm -hmm. match and that seems pretty unclear to me uh i think there was one of these slams recently where i after looking at like at the teams i was like yeah very confident and here i feel like it's a total 50 50. Yeah, I, I felt it's going to be you know low, lower scoring uh, than usual. I feel oh, yeah. we, we had like a lot more guys who uh, we just expect to, to maybe get a set as opposed to you know potential victories and stuff. But yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it turns out. Yeah, at, at Ram Garros there was also this fun. Uh, well, or maybe it wasn't really fun because the rock paper scissors decided the the whole result because the the guy yeah. who got Zapata Virales who overperformed all other qualifiers by a country mile, the guy who got him and we both wanted him as our first pick was going to win anyway. So uh, I don't think it's the case here unless someone just, I don't know, Zhang or Wu completely blow it out of the park. But Zhang having Medvedev in round three is, is probably going to be the end of his road anyway. So I don't think it's happening here. Yeah, and, and we should go to the challengers now, of course, because after yes. all, that's what we do here. And we had four pretty exciting events this week, uh, four maiden winners, which is, uh, from, uh, I have no idea if this happened before, but maybe, maybe not. Uh, but obviously it's, it's for a reason we had slightly weaker entry lists this week. Yeah, it's, it, it was a lot of fun seeing all these different guys, uh, come through. Obviously, Renzo Olivo probably hated it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, let's start in Granby where Gabriel Diallo, uh, won the title after beating Yuncheng Shang 7-5-7-6, his first challenger title, uh, only the second time that he has gone past the the the, the second round uh, at a challenger. Uh, on this run, he beat Martin, Stebe, Dugas, and Moria, moves up 184 spots, number 335, breaking the top 400, breaking the top 350, breaking all of it. 
uh yeah what did you think of Gabriel Diallo here uh, yeah, before we go, because you mentioned uh, before we start, uh, before uh, you mentioned Red Olivo, I actually asked um, a question on Twitter, like wanting wanting to know if people felt like there should be fewer challengers in Grand Slam qualifying weeks, and I actually expected that a lot of them would agree with the player, but uh, with the players, but well, not really. There's a lot of answers about experience and how it's a lot better for these lower ranked guys. Uh, there's also a very interesting answer from Diego Miranda, who like sort of went went long uh, for a sort of long picture view that that attitude by some players shows why a, a union will never work in this sport. Even when more opportunities for many are created, these are met with disdain by some if they don't benefit them directly. Pretty harsh, but well, uh, maybe there is something about it. It's true in this case for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because yeah, guys like Olivo or Justino, I think they're just really looking at you know at themselves and how uh, some lower ranked guys can you know vulture <laughs> points uh, because 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 the the other guys are at a Grand Slam qualifying. Obviously, my favorite answer is that Grand Slams should be banned and there should be more challengers. Uh, <laughs> very much agree with that. I think for me, it's uh, you know three or four weeks in the space of a year is just too inconsequential for this to be a huge deal. Uh, but I, I also you know kind of get where the players are coming from, of course. Anyhow, uh, Gabriel Diallo, we certainly weren't even close to thinking about him as a potential pick. Uh, it's not the toughest road, as you said. Uh, Shang is is a is a hugely impressive win. He Diallo is playing for for the University of the University of Kentucky, and he's had a fantastic pro summer. Uh, I don't think it's quite fantastic enough to make him drop college, although we'll see. <laughs> uh, maybe if he won like two more challengers, but I, I saw that he wasn't really uh, signed up for anything else. I think college players tend to play a bit more in uh, November as well. Maybe maybe we'll see him then. Um, and well, I, I was I was quite stunned by his talent, honestly. The, the the serve is insane. The the angles, not only the power, the way he just sort of plays solid tennis from the ground and then randomly ramps up the pace out of nowhere on the on the on the forehand, especially it can be it can be absurd. Obviously, there were some hiccups when he was trying to close it out. Uh 6-5, 40-15 in the in the second set, he I think two points earlier, he had this insane forehand where you just felt like, okay, this is the end. And then he played two terrible points to to make it go to a tie break. But once again, he just raced uh, raced his game there. I think he's going to be super exciting next year when he when he gets that one more year of college experience. And I think he, he he's even up for like two more. Um, as he's twenty, he's probably only his. I think he's probably only finished his second year of eligibility and yeah this this is not a fluke uh, i don't think it is and possibly his his summer up to this point also shows it the 25k he won in east lansing with a pretty decent field andres martin noah rubin a strong kirchheimer uh wins over duckworth or barracks recently this even though the field was pretty weak this doesn't feel like a fluke oh and it's important to mention that he saved the match point against stebe uh, it was like a, a quick point, uh, serve plus one forehand and then a smash. Yeah, and as for a finalist, Yun Cheng Shang, it was his second challenger final um, after his first title earlier this summer. He beat Stakusic, Marks, uh, Jordan Thompson in the quarterfinals, and then Aiden Mayo jumps up 44 spots, number 202. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Shang and his sort of follow-up run after his first title? 
earlier. By the time we reached the semis, I thought he was taking this for sure. Yeah. Uh, but but he's certainly improved. I I think he's uh, doing more of. Um, you know, doing more damage with the forehand, not necessarily that he's going bigger with it, but he just constructs the points with it better. He can use some of that pace that he has on it to uh, to move the ball around the court much better. And it, and it showed uh, not really, you know, outside the win against Thompson, obviously you know, nothing nothing too impressive, but the final was pre- played at a pretty high standard as well. I think if he won it, he would have actually been in the China top 100 race still. Even even with Wu and Zhang qualifying, you know, it's only 25 points. They actually need to win rounds uh, to make some very serious noise there. And if if Shang won the title, then maybe, you know, maybe he was uh, still... It wouldn't be a, such a two-way race as I think most of us perceive it right now. Yeah, and as for the semifinals, we had Hiroki Moriha. Uh, who beat McHugh, Strong Kirkheimer, and then Ugo Umber uh, in the quarterfinals, making his first career, first semifinal since January uh, this season in Kimper. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Maria? He played an awful match against Diallo in the semis, honestly. Diallo just kind of needed to be to be super solid, and and it was enough. Uh, obviously, a very surprising win over our Umber, whom we both picked to win the title. And Umber, after the first two rounds, seemed like he was just going to keep that up for the for the entirety of the tournament. Uh, Maria probably needed some sort of a decent run too, with with how he's been doing recently. Yeah, and our other semifinalist was Aiden Mayo, uh, who beat Yuji Vesely, Henry Patton, and Nicolas Mejia. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Mayo here? Honestly, I didn't really get that much of a look at him um he he qualified and made uh, and made a main draw of course uh, he is still 19 which is uh which is which is obviously a big ad, uh, addition to uh to how we how we view him in terms of in terms of his prospects but the win over Vesali is that impressive it probably is. It's one of the best. It's one of the biggest upsets of this week for sure. And I, I did remember. I do remember watching Ayani uh, play him in Vancouver uh, two weeks ago, or maybe what is one week ago? Never mind. But anyhow, uh, he he pushed Ayani there. Ayani uh, there, and from from that perspective, right now, it certainly uh, makes a lot more sense. Yeah, and in the doubles we had Cash and Patton, the the British superstars that we had in the in the summer, uh, came back in here as well, won the title, beating Aesarik and Sitak in the final. And with that, I think we can go over to Banya Luka, where you got a point, with Marojan winning the title, beating Tamir Jumhur six two six one, absolutely walloped him in the final for his first challenger title. Uh, on his route there, he beat Fancelo. Durasovic, Batutin, and Madaras up 54 spots, number 185 in the rankings, breaking the top 200. Uh, well, yeah, what did you think of Marojan and his his title run this week? Yeah, I, I think it's super cool that he got it, even though if, even though the week is obviously a lot weaker uh, than than how that what it usually is. I think Marojan has had a level to contend for challenger titles for a while now. But he just wasn't really able to to find that breakthrough. He finally did. Uh, 
you know, the final 49 minutes, perhaps not the best performance from Junkur, but I think Maroshan still played well enough to for it to be entertaining. Uh, served very well, like in, the, in terms of the um, the, you know, the spots, the directions. The forehand was insane, and I, I loved how he could both uh, flatten it out, but also played some insane winners with you know with a big loop. Um, I think it's uh, he he's not that far behind guys like uh, Valkus or Pirosh in terms of the the Hungarian 98 99 generation, but I feel like he was a bit forgotten. Uh, he was a bit forgotten recently because he hadn't made quite the impact as these guys did. And he's actually healthy as well compared, compared to them, which is a big help because, you know, Valkos we, we're not even seeing on the tour right now. Pirosh is constantly injured. And maybe Marosha can can actually overcome them soon. I saw a tweet from uh, a Hungarian guy on Twitter. I don't know if you if you know him. He's, his uh, nickname, I guess, or how is it called on Twitter, is Dell. Um, not sure, not sure. He like posts a lot of uh, screenshots from. Uh, maybe maybe don't follow him. Anyhow, he's Hungarian, and uh, well, he said somewhere. Maybe I will find it very soon. Yeah, Hungarian tennis is in such a dire state that this is a welcome news. Besides the fact that news is uncountable and you can't have a welcome news. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, I don't think it's in a dire state, really like no, has there no. has there I, I i'm sure there has been there have been some uh great times for the hunger for hungary in tennis in back in the 70s when you know balashtar Otri played or whatever but after that until uh, martin fucevic did they really have a good mentor player i i don't really remember anyone like that and it, I wouldn't really say it's in, in a dire state because it's not. Yeah, really... I, I, I would absolutely disagree with that. I yeah. mean, obviously, Kovic is far from his best. Attila Balaj is not at his best. Tima Babos, I think she might be retiring or something. She, she's far from I think that know. was about uh, men's tennis, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, on, on, on both sides, they have, you know, Valkus, Pirosh. Uh, and and Maros, oh, no, I'm sorry, saying, it's actually about all tennis. Yeah, sorry. On, on, on the women's side, they have Anna Bondar, Pana Udvardi coming through. Dalma Gafi, yeah. Yeah, the, the, Dalma Gafi, who don't have like the same main tour impact or whatever, but they're still hiring players who get into slams. I would say it's it's far from a, a dire state for sure. Yeah, I would be super happy to be a Hungarian tennis fan right now. Actually, you can watch so many of these guys week by week on in challengers or in high uh, you know high level ITF uh, tournaments in terms of the women. And, and yeah, the the whole generation of Pirosh, Marosh, and Valkus is super fun to watch to me as well. Yeah, I mean, for for a while they looked like they might not deliver, but they're definitely delivering this season. Uh, and and probably from the summer of 2021, yeah. I think all of them had just big big rises uh, in in ITFs uh, the summer of 2021. Absolutely. Um, yeah, as for finals, Damir Jumhur, uh, very experienced player, his 15th challenger final, his first one since April 2021. Uh, obviously, was was troubled with injuries earlier this season. Um, but came came through this time, beat uh, Bondarenko, Gianu, got a retirement from Fatic and Alvarez uh, in the semis. He beat as well, up 29 spots, number 197. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Damir Jumhur this week? I'm not going to say much because honestly, the performance in the final is just too much to bear for me. Like, I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> In in uh, in front of a, a home crowd as well, it's quite yeah. just quite puzzling. He too. came out, started drop shotting Maroshan to death, and then when it 
I mean, I wouldn't even say it didn't work out because Maroshan clearly wasn't comfortable taking these balls and, you know, going to the net, maybe not in a in a way he wanted, but being forced to. And then when he, when, when Jumhur fell down a break, it was 2-5, I think, and two, maybe 2-4, and then he just half-tanked the, re- the rest of it. And I think the, the duration of the match is also pretty telling here. Yeah, uh, as, as far as semi-finalists, uh, we had Madaras make the semi-finals, beating Minin, Sanchez Izquierdo, and Hassan, uh, 6-4 in the third every single match. Uh, any thoughts on, on Madaras? I mean, it's not the first time he's done it, right? Whenever there's uh, a weaker challenger, he comes out and, and makes a good run, which I guess makes sense because he won 80, 80-something matches on the ITF Tour last year. Uh, maybe Maybe it was actually all circuits combined. Uh, so if you're if you're doing this well in ITFs, then a challenger that's pretty much at the same level is probably going to be a pretty decent chance for you. Mm-hmm. And we also Nikos Alvarez beating uh, Vice uh, Chorinsky and Kopeyans by retirement. Any thoughts on him? Yeah, two retirements, Alexander Vice. Yeah, so Banyaluka was pretty weird because it got eighty. You know, it, it earned you eighty points. And I think Mar- Maroshan is a very deserved winner, but honestly, all of the other runs, and especially Alvarez, who can reach semi-squarters on the Challenger Tour for sure. But uh, the way he did it with two retirements and beating Alexander Weiss, who also wasn't fully fit at the at the end of the match, was just, just insane. And uh, I guess that's a bit of an argument for, for guys like Olivo or Justino, who, uh, you know, who have some... Uh, you know, it, it's not like they're totally just selfish and uh, and well, they don't have any any point in what they're saying. That there's actually some uh, some truth in what they claim, and I think Banyaluka was a was a pretty good example of that because the, the, the yeah, I mean, it, but, but Banyaluka should have been a fifty. Um, yeah, it, it had a, it had the field of the fifty as well. Really, yeah, I wouldn't even say that Banyaluka was stronger than Nontaburi or uh, Prague, really. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so like I sort of understand that argument in terms of the the level of competition, like how a, an eighty usually looks compared to how this eighty looked. It, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, to, and Justino was also was also bringing up the the fact that sometimes you've got guys who well that that one week uh, a challenger cutoff main draw cutoff is five hundred, and then the other week it's one eighty. And some guys who are playing Grand Slam qualifying can't even be in the main draw of challengers, which is also true. Yeah. Um, so let's go over to Prague, where we had Oleksii Krutich with the title beating Lukas Gerch 6-3, 6-7, A tough run for sure, starting against uh, Kopil, where he was pushed to the third set tiebreak. Uh, then beat Noza, had to save a match point against Morano de Aburan. And then beat Jakub Menschig in the semis before winning the title over Gerch. Uh, up 45 spots, number 226 in the rankings. What did you think of Grutich this week? Yeah, I, I love the fact that he'll be in, probably be in Grand Slam qualifying from now on. I feel like he totally deserves it. Uh, the base end game is like, you know, that's a set of strokes that he has is just very nice. Maybe slightly underpowered, but he can he can use them offensively. He did a lot of the time this week. Uh, I feel like he is, he has really established himself as a challenger guy this year, even if he only had one quarter final before. But he, it's not like he was losing in um, 
it's not like he was losing in the opening rounds a lot. He was mostly making round two, sometimes had uh, good matches against high ranked opposition, mostly losing in three. So I think it makes total sense and very happy that Alexi Krudik made that jump. He also saved, the, like Diallo, he saved the match point in the, uh, on the way. He uh, had a very tough tiebreak against Moreno de Alboran in the quarterfinals. And uh, I think it was an unreturned serve. Yeah. Uh, and as for getting his uh, first challenge final beat, uh, Cem Ilkel, Andreev, Gigante, uh, and Dominguez in the semis, up 68 spots, number 316. Uh, one over Nikola Kuhn. I, I noticed when I was looking at the rankings, which is quite interesting to me. Uh, but yeah, what are we going get here? Yeah, the, the, the difference in talent is pretty extreme there. But it's <laughs> not that I don't think Gerch can, can, can be... Uh, a challenger player at some point i remember talking about him a few times on the on the show that he was probably like he could get better results than he than he's getting he won a 15k the week before and took that took that uh, momentum to to prague for sure uh pretty nice uh big lefty serve of course it's it's nothing exceptional but it's super solid the, the left-handed backhand is also pretty tough to break uh, the, the one-hander and uh and yeah it, it makes a lot of sense even though he, his route was actually pretty tough when when you look at it ilka mm-hmm. andreev gigante dominguez to to make a, a challenger 50 final it's uh it's really quite excellent and it's also something that he hadn't done before not even close yeah over to our semi-finals with jakub menchik uh makes the semi-finals here for the first time in his career at just 16 years old well 16 until like Wednesday or Thursday or whenever he turned 17, but still 16 when in, in this run. Uh, he got retirement from Menendez Maceiras in the first round. Then he beat my pick, Lukas Rosso, uh, then Martin Cuevas, up more than 200 spots in the rankings. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts on Menchik and where do you sort of see his his level and potential going forward? Hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think he really played that well this week, honestly. The, the win against Rosso, uh, Rosso especially like stuck with me because he basically didn't have to do anything to break him three times. Uh, I, I think I saw Rosso saying somewhere after that that he was just tired. Um, especially that game at 4-4 in the second, Rosso double-faulted three times and Menchik had to touch the ball one time to get the break to love. <laughs> uh, which, was, which was pretty uh, pretty funny. Uh, Menchik's oh. serve was was doing a lot of damage, both uh, against Rosso and Cuevas. I think he had over 80 points uh, one on first serve on clay, which is pretty nice. And um, and yeah, he 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 plays this solid baseline game as well, sort of in the tall counter puncher mode, I think. But uh, but there were some instances when he took more risks. I still think that it's it, it's a nice base because we've seen players do that uh, already. He can he he seems like he can actually pull it off, but obviously it's still it's still very raw and it's still very far off uh, getting challenger semifinals in regular weeks. I think, uh, or I, I guess in a challenger fifty kind of makes sense. But it, it's exciting to see someone who's uh, you know just recently been in. In, in the Grand Slam Juniors final to doing that right now. He's actually still 16, but he's going to turn 17 in two days, three days from now. We are recording this on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. 
our other semifinalist was João Dominguez beating Vocel, Sachko and Avone. Uh, any thoughts there? Uh, he, he, I mean, he, he certainly had a couple of decent runs this year already, which comes as a bit of a surprise, I suppose, after after what he was doing in 2021. But he's probably too good to to be struggling like this uh, for a long while. I think he's uh, he's obviously a very crafty player when it comes to when it comes to baseline rallies. The win over Sachko. Uh, was was quite impressive, and I did not expect it. I thought Sachko was was one of the one of the possible champions here. Who did you have? Oh, you had Russell, right? As a big, Russell, yeah. and I had Fields, who lost to Mariano Navone in the opening round, quite quite comfortably. So not not really a good one there for us. Yeah, so, so we, we struggled a bit in Prague, uh, but who didn't struggle was the doubles champions. Vlad Viktor Kornea and Andrew Paulson taking the title over Andreev and Morkel Terien. We also had uh, Miloš Karol make the semifinals alongside Vitali Sačko, beating uh, Drzewiecki and uh, Niklas Salminen, something like 6-1, 6-3 yeah. or something. 6-1, so, 6-3, uh, yeah. Yeah, definitely strong week for, for Miloš Karol there. Uh, and we go over to Nontamburi, where we had Valentin Vacherov uh, win his first challenger title over Nam Huang Li, 6-3-7-6. Vacherov's road included beating uh, Brimer, Poon, Jacquet, and Uchiyama. Up 73 spots, number 271, breaking the top 300. Uh, Yeah, what did you think of Vacherov? Yeah, seven matches only broken five times. Although realistically, it's been more like six matches because his first qualifying round took like three games uh but it totally makes sense and i think that the player that i well i i, I probably saw a couple times before but i didn't really care about but uh the guy who showed up in san marino and made the quarterfinals uh he just translated that form to here and it seems like he will be a challenger mainstay at some point really uh, he's had a very steady very natural rise since college won five itfs of course and and yeah, he just totally has the weapons. He totally has the game to hang with the with the guys at the challenger level. Even though it's pretty basic, I actually called it uh, caveman tennis somewhere, <laughs> which uh, is it, it, it's not a great term. I'm sure if he heard it, he wouldn't be happy about it. Uh, but you know, it it kind of sells what I what I want what I want to um, oh what I want to say with this, uh, but. I think, uh, yeah, a challenger mainstay pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, uh, and as for a finalist, Nam Huang Li, his first challenger final, uh, beat Kelly, Marchenko, Alastair Gray, and Dane Sweeney uh, to make the final up 38 spots to number 290. So he also breaks the top 300. Uh, yeah, any thoughts on Lee here? Yeah, I will also, uh, I, I just remembered a fun fact, I guess, that Vachereau is the second Monegasque champion uh, on the Challenger Tour after Jean-René Lisnard. Although Vachereau is French, but you know, he, I think he played for Monaco, uh, for France in the junior days, then changed to Monaco or something like that. He's coached by Benjamin Valere, who also uh, had some uh, some finals, maybe maybe one, fi- one Challenger final, I think, uh, for Monaco, but didn't really... Uh, but but he couldn't win it. I think it was Geneva, Geneva 2009, and Lisnard won two two challenger titles, and Li Hong Nam was actually the first Vietnamese finalist. I think obviously uh, 
Daniel Nien and uh, Tyson Kwiatkowski have uh, Vietnamese passports, but Kwiatkowski plays for the States still and Nien plays for Vietnam, but I think he only appeared in a few events uh, since changing from the States to, to Vietnam. Anyhow, Li Hoang Nam, yes, he recently had a fantastic win streak at the ITF level, actually 15 Ks, but still 24 matches in a row. Uh, then lost to Shimizu, I think, in, in uh, going for his fifth title. He won uh, Wimbledon boys doubles in 2015 alongside Sumit Nagal. Uh, so it's fun to see that after after a long while, a good junior is succeeding on the tour. Um, I think he's probably not as uh, well. I don't know about talented, but not you know his game isn't as challenger ready as Vashros is. But he's also going to make a lot of main draws from now on. Uh, definitely a capable player in how he how he moves the ball around the court, how he constructs the rallies. Little less power, of course, than Vashro, but uh, but that's uh, well, a lot of players have, <laughs> have less power than than Valentin Vashro, and that that power edge was really important in the final, especially with the serve. But uh, certainly very excited to see how Li Hong Nam is going to do in the two ne- in the next two non taburi events. Uh, but even after that, as I said, he's just at a ranking right now uh, that will allow him to keep playing uh, uh, challenger main draws uh, at, at least until the spring next year or the summer even. Uh, yeah, we should also now talk about uh, some other singles guys like Dane Sweeney, for example. His first challenger semifinal, of course, we saw him in Australia beginning of, beginning of the year. I think he got like uh, one win in, in the qualifying as well for the Australian Open. Uh, um, did decently well. I, I, I think got some titles on the ITF tour. Uh, but here he beat Sharon Fon, uh, my pick, De Camps, and then Kachmazov to make the semi final. Uh, yeah, what are your thoughts on Sweeney? Yeah, it, it's great that these guys are finally showing up on the tour because a lot of uh, like the, there's been a lot of conversation about uh, Asian players having a rough time with the pandemic, at least East Asian or Southeast Asian. And well, Australians have uh, disappeared from the tour uh, as well. A lot of them weren't really willing to to go to Europe and then you know, go back, have the quarantine and all these issues. And it's fantastic that we're now seeing all of these talented guys like Sweeney, Jessica, uh, Schoolkate wasn't qualifying, I think, right? Or at least he's in the qualifying this week. Uh, McCabe, of course, Sekulic, uh, they've all made the trip to to Thailand, so uh maybe like when when we saw that there were going to be events in southeast asia we were expecting that well finally we're going to have the all these uh asian guys on the challenger tour again but it was actually also a a big help to australian players it seems and sweeney has actually like he's like almost in the top 400 right now so i think if if one of these guys makes a ranking that's gonna let him play challenger main draws then he's probably gonna uh, have enough incentive to you know to 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 go to Europe for uh, for a longer period of time at least. Although he also played in the States a few times this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, our other semifinalist was uh, was Uchiyama, the second seed, uh, beat Shimizu, Hong, and Jessica, and uh, to make his third challenger semifinal in 2022 already. Uh, sort of a sneakily good year for Uchiyama. What did you think of him here? 
Yeah, sneakily good, and I also can't really remember him doing anything this year. Oh, yeah, he, he was in Indianapolis, but we were all very uh, end Rome, and we were all very focused on Shelton and Wooder, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, that's that's actually three of his four last four challengers in the semifinals. We were very excited for that Yunchao Kete Uchiyama face-off in the second round, but you know, it didn't come to, uh, it, it didn't come up with Yunchao Kete getting injured in his opening round. Uh, yeah, just uh, just a solid week from Uchiyama, who will probably be one of the most dangerous guys in the next two events as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also t- wanted to mention Omar Jasica, uh, who made the quarterfinals here, beating Baby Jukaev and Federico Gallo, his first challenger quarterfinals since January 2018 in Playford. Uh, yeah, what did you think of Jessica? Yeah, I mean that the Zhukayev win was quite impressive, honestly. I I remember even thinking of Zhukayev as a potential winner pick, which was perhaps a bit uh, well, uh, crazy. Uh, you might you might want to call it, uh, but yeah, Jessica is is another one of these guys who have, who played a lot in uh, in Australia at the beginning of the season, but right now we can we can actually see them on the Challenger Tour again, and it's clear that he can actually rise to to the Challenger level again. Uh, his ban was for cocaine, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I will keep saying that you know, cocaine bans are useless in my opinion. I mean, unless they're used as a PED, but uh, you know, that specialists are sort of debating whether that's even possible or not. And if if it's just for recreational use, then you know, why? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm to see somebody really use it as a as a way to gain an advantage on the tennis court. Uh, that doesn't. I think really it's been tried at least in other sports, uh, but but yeah, I I read about it one uh, a couple of months ago, and uh, there's some specialists saying it wouldn't give you anything, and there's some specialists saying that, uh, well, that that it's possible in micro doses, but. Uh, it, it's probably not really good enough to to try that as a as a tennis player because it wouldn't really help you that much. Uh, I'm yeah, not going it, to talk about whether it, I had. It, you know, after he was punished for doing something stupid when he was younger, it's good to see him back and and really, oh, yeah. you know. I f- think there was a, a recently. I, I can recommend a, a, an interview with. Uh, uh, what was it? I think it was on Punto the Break or something, where there, there was a very cool interview with, uh, with Jessica, where he where he talked about it a lot. Uh, yeah, about uh, about the ban and how he's uh, coming back to the tour, how he feels mentally, and it was it was very cool. Oh, it was in Spanish, but Google Translate helps, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and onto the doubles, we had Yevgeny Donskoy and Alibek Kachmazov. Uh, uh, lift the trophy, uh, winning the title over Nam and Song. Uh, we also had uh, Matsui uh, win a match, make, make, making the quarterfinals with uh, Wesugi. So uh, good vibes all around uh, in the, in the doubles. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe not with Kachmazov, uh, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, on to the match of the week and upset of the week. Where would you like to start? Obviously, I haven't chosen anything, so <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we can start with the upset and you go first. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my upset was I. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm. I'm happy with picking this as an upset. I had Moria over Umber. Uh, Umber, I thought was coming for the title after the first two two matches. He he looked decent. Uh, 
and all of a sudden he he loses this this weird match to Hiroki Moriya. Uh, so yeah, that was probably the biggest upset for me. Yeah, I think I have to agree with that. I, I was just that certain that Umer was winning the title. Maybe Shank could stop him, but but not really. Um, the bookies prefer Mayo over Vesely, and it's like crazy uh, 650 score in the European format, uh, which seems a bit wild with just how Vesely is, is so inconsistent yeah. and basically has his ranking built on uh, just the Dubai final. So uh, that, that that's a bit of a stretch to me. And what's your match of the week? Match of the week, I've gone for a straight set match. I've gone for Yunqing Shang beating Jordan Thompson. I thought it was very high quality. Uh, Shang bringing out some great tennis, especially. Uh, yeah, good, 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 good match to rewatch for sure. Okay, I'm gonna go for something weird and go with uh, Justin Boulay losing to Jordan Thompson the round before. Uh, Boulay played this, uh, you know, a lot of slices, a lot of net plays. So obviously, I enjoyed it from the aesthetical perspective. Uh, his one-handed backhand, though, is just, I mean, the technique is ridiculous. It doesn't work, <laughs> but somehow he was, uh, well, the, the quality of play, I wouldn't say was amazing. He really just destabilized Thompson's baseline game. And then when he could finish it, he didn't. Uh, he just gave the match away. But it was a lot of drama. And from just from you know a viewing perspective, it was super entertaining. So that's what I'm going to go with. All right, and we can go over to our previews, our winner picks. In the winner picks, you've uh, started to close the gap, now just 17 to 13. Yeah, started to close the gap, yeah, that's for sure. Um, yeah, where should we start? Let's start in uh, Como. Mm -hmm. Where is Como? Yeah, Como is an AT. Let's start in Como, uh, where Marco Cecchinato is the top seat, playing Nerman Fatic, who retired last week, winner gets to play Otto Vitanen or Lukas Midler. We also have Arnaldi facing off with Vitali Sajko. The winner plays Juan Bautista Torres or Qualifier. Then we have Nikola Milojevic playing Lukas Gerch, winner facing Mirza Basic or Sedrimac Oštebe. Uh, we also have Arna Bodi playing a Qualifier and then Giannesi or another Qualifier. We have Stefano Travaglia playing Milian Žekic. Winner playing Matteo Gigante or Gianmarco Moroni. Uh, we then have Francesco Passaro playing a qualifier and then Damir Jumhur or Oleksi Krutich, a champion from last week. So that would be an interesting matchup. Uh, then we've got Ricardo Bonadio playing Gonzalo Villanueva. Winner facing Federico Arnabaldi or qualifier. Gianmarco Ferrari plays Lukas Klein with the winner playing second seed Giulio Cepieri or a qualifier. Over in qualifying, we have guys like Moreno de Alboran, uh, uh, Andreev Desheter, uh, Navone, Kopil, some interesting names. Uh, in the doubles, Erler and Midler are the top seeds. Uh, we also have teams like Klein playing with uh, Igor Zelenai, which is which is an interesting one. Dustin Brown is here as well, playing with Julian Lenz. Uh, Roman Ibavi and Adam Pavlasic are also teaming up the second seeds. So interesting draw for sure. Back to the singles, though. Who do you like here? Yeah, no, not many players in the qualities who could realistically win it. Yeah, Navona has done pretty well last week, which was a bit of a surprise to me that he was translating that South America form instantly to Europe. Moreno Dalboran, of course, is dangerous, although a match against Fonio, that's, that's not super clear, probably. Um, there's a lot of guys who are coming back from US Open qualifying, of course. 
uh, actually, funnily enough, uh, Italy had seven players in the final qualifying round. And do you know how many of them got through? None? Yeah. Yeah, none. <laughs> none of them. Uh, Cocciaretto made it through. She was the only woman uh, in, uh, in, she was the only Italian woman in uh, round three of the qualifying. And there were seven males, I think. Uh, definitely Arnaldi, Bonadio. I'm not going to count. Uh, Arna- uh, I can't remember. But anyhow, it, there, there were seven and uh, none of them made it through, which is uh, quite yeah. shocking. Yeah. <laughs> and when it comes to the draw, that yeah, the, the, I mentioned this because there are a lot of guys who are coming back from from the qualifying. Um, I picked Zapieri a couple of weeks ago, but I don't think I'm going to do that again. I don't like the matchup against Klein or even against Ferrari in the in the second round, honestly. Uh, I think Bonadio is a very serious pick. He did well at, it, at the US Open, but again, that quarterfinal, Klein, Zapieri, that sounds pretty tough. Uh, as usual, Passaro is a serious pick as well. Uh, just again, uh, very unclear how he's going to be in, you know, in what form he's going to be back. Uh, Arnaldi, maybe not so much. I think Cecchinato, who skipped the US Open qualifying, is, is very plausible as well. Maybe Virtanen can serve him off the court. Um, the top half in general seems to be slightly weaker, maybe. And I'm just reading two minds, I think, between Cecchinato, well, maybe in three minds. There's no expression like this, but uh, <laughs> Cecchinato, <laughs> Passaro and Bonadio. Uh, you know what? I, I don't care. Let, let's go for Ricardo Bonadio. I, I really want oh, to wow. see this guy win a challenger title. Uh, he's been close this year. He's playing well and he's got uh, a, quite a, you know, an, an, an easy draw for the first two rounds, I think. So I, I am going to go with Bonadio. I don't know if okay. it will happen. Yeah, I, mean, I, 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 was, I was basically going to pick whoever you didn't take out of Chiquiato. Okay. <laughs> now you have a dilemma, actually. Yeah. Now I have to actually think about it as well. Pasado Pasado has a has a tougher draw, I think, than Jakinato for sure. I agree, yeah. But there is just something in me that believes in Pasado more than does Jakinato. So here we go, Francesco Pasado for me. Yeah, I actually wanted you to pick Jakinato. I also believe in Pasado more. So uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Yes, let's go over to the Rafa Nadal Open in Mallorca. Uh, where Dominic Stricker is the top seed playing Ag- uh, Abedala Shelby from Jordan, I believe. Yeah. Uh, interesting wildcard. Winner gets to play a qualifier. Then we have Leandro, uh, Leandro Riedi playing a qualifier. Uh, and then Dmitry Popko or Kaichi Uchida. Zizu Bergs plays Daniel Rincon. Winner facing Kasper Juk or Evan Fernes. Antoine Bellier plays Nicolas Alvarez Varona. Winner facing Jay Clark or Gregor Barrer. Uh, we had Gio Simon withdraw, so we had so we have Daniel Masur as the ninth seed playing Mateus Pucinelli de Almeida. Winner faces Michal Kukushkin or Francesco Maestrelli, which is an, an interesting first round for me, an interesting match. Hamad Medvedevich plays a qualifier, uh, then faces Alexander Vukic or Loran Locoli. Luca Nardi plays Jesper de Jong, uh, winner then facing Autokcelik Bilek or a qualifier. Sebastian Ofner plays Jerzy Janovic in very interesting first round. Winner gets to play Ryan Penniston or a qualifier. Uh, so obviously this, this one is on is on hard courts. Uh, so an interesting opportunity for Janovic, but a tough draw, I think, in, in Ofner. Uh, in qualifying, we have Lukas Latsko 
we have, oh my goodness, Lukáš Rosso playing Peter Benjamin Privara, who's who's got a wild card here. That's an interesting one. I didn't see that coming. Uh, Sebož Wild play, plays Olivetti. Um, yeah, really, really a, a bunch of interesting names. Mansuri probably the one with the most potential, though, to, to cause some damage in the main draw. Although, Latsko, you know, defending champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Latsko is going to win some matches again, it's it really should be here. He's playing Donsky and then Grinka or Valkov. <laughs> Uh, yeah, over in the doubles, uh, we have Bortolotti and Martos Gornes as the top seed. They actually play Maestrelli and Nardi, which is an interesting match. Yuki Bambri and Sakes Minendi play Lukáš Latsko with a wild card uh, with, with Daniel Rincón. That, that, that's bizarre to me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> the Slovak influence that we have in, in Mallorca. I'm, I'm not sure what's happening. Uh, Chelik Bilik and Juk are playing together. They, play, they face Kornea and Stevens. Kornea, obviously, champion last week. Uh, Pell and Balkov are the second seeds as well. Just a really puzzling, very, very interesting draw to be. I'm quite excited for this tournament now. Uh, but yeah, who do you like here as the champion in the main draw? Yeah, I mean, there are so many, maybe not even good names, but super interesting names here. Yeah, yeah th- this one is going to be my my main focus this week for sure. Other than US Open, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but Mallorca should be a bit earlier in the day, at least most of the matches. Yeah. And uh, they actually start uh, qualifying on Monday, uh, which is uh, well, I'm not sure why they do that, but it's the second year in a row when they when they've done that. Olivetti has oh Olivetti is also here. I I didn't even notice yeah. him, and he's playing. He just defeated Sabe of Wield. I'm sorry I didn't see it because well at least I'm gonna get to watch him tomorrow. Uh, but I was just recently ranting about how uh, I would love to see Albano Olivetti play singles more. Uh, so many interesting wildcard choices as well. Uh, I think mo- most of these guys just have to be in the academy, right? I think Privara is. I think uh, Vallejo is. Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Coleman Wong probably is as well. Another super exciting junior prospect. They really did a, a very interesting job with this here. Janovic, of course, who, which wasn't announced anywhere uh, as far as I know. I, I think no one in Poland other than like his camp knew about it until the draw was out. Uh, or maybe he he talk, talked about it on Instagram or something, but there was nothing on Twitter, nothing in news articles. I don't have Instagram, so I don't know. But he has some. Uh, he I know he's a bit active there. Anyhow, uh, Rincon as well, of course, and Shellbike won a couple of ITFs this year already. He's uh, Ben Shelton's former teammate from uh, from the Florida Gators. So uh, quite exciting as well. These ITFs maybe weren't stacked. Uh, he beat Rincon via retirement. So, uh, well, after three games and then beat Mansuri in the in the other final, which is definitely the best win that he got uh, in that 10-match uh, stretch in, uh, in July. Yeah, and there's so much good stuff in the draw that I don't even know where to look. Uh, Mansuri in the qualifying could, could as, might as well make, uh, make a good run. Lachko, he really should qualify, right? <laughs> he, he should, should, would, could, yeah. I mean, he, he should qualify. Will he qualify? I'm not. I'm yeah, not, so, I'm not so sure um, about that. I recently saw Grinka in, in Kozerki, and I don't think he's much, you know, I don't think he's that dangerous. Valkov obviously doesn't replay really singles uh, anymore at all. Uh, there's also Don, Donsky is probably the, big, the, the, the most dangerous guy there. Uh, yes, and just looking at the main draw, who the hell do I want to pick here? Uh, 
Striker is obviously an option. He has a pretty good section, I'd say, unless someone like Mansouri qualifies. Riedi is dangerous. We, I'd love to see that uh, Riedi Striker quarterfinal. Zizubergs is an option for sure. He was uh, like the eighth alternate uh, to get into, like uh, the eighth guy in on the lucky loser list. And uh, well, he, he made the choice to go to Mallorca and obviously it was the right choice because there's no way there's going to be six more withdrawals. Casper uh, yeah. plays even Furness. That's I'm not looking at a potential winner there. Although I believe that last year we picked Casper to win Mallorca. And he lost to Kuzmanov. He lost to Kuzmanov, but that was a very different Kasper Zhuk back then. Uh, yeah. Medvedovic, of course, but the fitness is an issue. Vukic hasn't played in such a long while. I would love to go for Nardi, but he also dropped off a bit. I mean, I, I'm legit very close to just going Kiesjanovic. <laughs> it's, it's impossible, right? Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it, can, it cannot be possible. It cannot be possible. So I think the safest option I have is just maybe Zizobergs. I mean, everything's possible if you, if you believe hard enough. <laughs> if you give it the right kind of effort, then it's going to pay uh, off and work out. Yeah, he's a good one. I was just looking at him. Uh, as you said, just so many potential people to, to pick here. Uh, Medvedovic, I was looking at a bit because I quite like his section, but I just don't think I trust him enough right now uh, with, with with the loss he had to, to Hasse in, in Grozny's Mazowiecki. Um I'm going to be boring. I'm going to go with the top seed here. Uh, Dominic Striker. It's a, it's a good, it's a good section really to, to make the, uh, to make the semifinals. And then possibly you could have Bergs or, or Barrera or whoever. That's when it gets tough, but I, I, I really like his section here. So, right. Striker for me, Bergs for you. We go to Toulouse back on the clay. Uh, where the top seed is Carlos Tabener playing Matisse Erhard, uh, winner facing Ferreira Silva or Justino. Aydukovic plays Sanchez Izquierdo with the winner facing Facundo Diaz Acosta or Tituan Drogay. Gianluca Mager plays Sebastian Fansalo, winner facing Gonzalo Lama or Maxime Janvier. Then we have Paul Martin Tifon, who was that sort of unlucky guy who didn't get to yeah. play US qualifying because Djokovic didn't withdraw in time. Uh, so he he didn't get to get his his money uh, there, but he plays a qualifier and then uh, one of two qualifiers next. Marco Trunchetti plays a qualifier and then Ivan Gakhov or another qualifier. Alexander Muller plays Benjamin Hassan and then Johan Nicholas or Louis Vessels. Fabio Marojan is here, champion last week, plays a qualifier and then Timofei Skatov or Artur Raymond. Elias Imer also here playing Joao Dominguez and Daniela Sals or Luca Van Ash. Over in qualifying, we have uh, we had Drzewiecki and Niklas Salminen play each other. Drzewiecki came out on top, so now he's on, and I was in the final qualifying round. Uh, Jaziri played uh, Tomas Bellucci, 6-3 in the third. Uh, Jaziri won the, the battle of the old guys. Uh, but more realistically, we have guys like Atur Fields, uh, Cepeleyev, uh, Kopeyans, Boruchaga, who, who could actually mix it up a bit in the in the main draw. Over in the doubles, we have Romain Adnaudo playing with Luis David Martinez, the top seeds. Uh, Kopeyans and Delore are, are teaming up. Justino plays with uh, Trunchetti. Jaziri and, and Janvier are playing together. Uh, yeah, interesting lineup, but back to the singles. Who are you looking at for the title here? 
Yeah, I have a little bit of a prediction to make when it comes to Arthur Fields. And I'm going to say that we're going to keep picking him, you know, from time to time sporadically. And then he's going to win a challenger in which neither of us pick him to win. Uh, I feel like that that happens a lot. Uh, Drzewiecki playing Jaziri, that's actually winnable, right? I I, I am excited to watch yeah. this today. I didn't see the, the match between Drzewiecki and Niklas Salminen yesterday. Uh, but I'm super excited to see what's going to happen here. Um, I can't even remember the last time I watched Rzewiecki play singles. He was at the Polish National Championships, but he lost before I arrived there. Anyhow, uh, the main draw, I'm quite excited to watch uh, what Matis Erhardt can do against Taberner. Uh, it wasn't uh, like until recently when I found out that someone like this exists, but he's been absolutely tearing up the, 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 the ITF circuit this year for titles already. Uh, and some some good wins in there, Max Hokes, uh, Tabur, you know, some some guys that that are uh, that have been at the challenge level, you know, at, at least showing up at the challenge level. Jerome Kim in March uh, was not March, sorry, but May. Anyhow, Yankee Edel. Anyhow, uh, I think that maybe there's a bit of an upset chance there because Taverner hasn't been playing well recently. Uh, and this one, uh, in, in this one, there's actually like, I, I'm actually even if I had a lot of possible winner picks in Mallorca or in Como, here I'm actually kind of struggling to find anyone who I want to pick. Uh, and this, this, you know, you know what it, uh, you know, the idea that I have in my mind that I, because I don't know anyone, uh, like don't, don't know anyone that I want to pick here. I, it makes me want to go for you know, Arthur Fields again or something like this. <laughs> I'm probably not going to. Let's try Trujeriti. Why not? If he's healthy, whenever he's been healthy, he's actually done pretty well this year. And I kind of like the section, even though Miller in the quarters is probably quite tough. All right. Yeah, I was I was picking between Trujeriti and, and Miller here. So I'm going to go with Miller. Uh, the, the last couple of weeks have, have not been the, the best for him. Um, but you know, the, the level that he was showing earlier in the season, if he brings that here, he, he could very well win the title in this field. All right. And we go to non-tamburi, uh, where we have Yosuke Watanuki. You did it again. <laughs> non-tamburi. Non-tamburi. Yeah. Non-tamburi. Anyway, Yosuke Watanuki <laughs> is the top seed playing Alibek Kachmazov. Uh, the winner plays Akira Santilan or last week's champion, Valentin Vashiro. Jason Jung plays Sho Shimabukuro, uh, winner uh, playing Nikola Kuhn or Baby Jukayev. Denis Yevseyev plays Dane Sweeney, uh, and then Benjamin Locke or Yevgeny uh, Donskoy. Then we have Kritin Kwaiku uh, playing Artur Kozo, who's the qualifier. Uh, since we're recording Monday morning, we already have the qualifiers in. Uh, and we already have two main draw matches done as yeah. well, but we'll, we'll take those under consideration. Uh, Billy Harris plays Yun Seung Chung. Uh, Gabriel De Camps plays Sergei Fomin, or he already did. Yeah, uh, he, he already did. Down. Uh, and he'll play one of two Thai wildcards, Kassidit Samre or Tanapet Chanta. Uh, Bu Yunchakote, uh, sort of disappointed last week, but he plays Federico Gallo. Uh, winner gets to play Yasutaka Uchiyama or Nam Huang Li, who both went deep last week. Uh, Ilya Marchenko already defeated Ishai Oliel and will play Omar Jasika or Prajesh Gunusvaran. Uh, and then we have Alistair Gray playing Ben Patel. Uh, uh, and the winner plays Charles Broom or Tristan Schoolkate. 
Uh, I, I clicked the qualifying draw for no reason, but in the doubles, <laughs> uh, we have Schoolcade and Sweeney that, as the top seeds. Uh, Matsui and Wesugi are here as well, playing Donsku Kachmazov, last week's champions. Um, Kuhn and Marchenko are teaming up here. Santilan plays with Yunjai Kote, so an interesting draw in the in the doubles as well. We have Christopher Runcat, who I'm, I'm not sure when when the last time he he played, or or I feel like I, I haven't oh, seen He played a few months ago, I think. Has he? Yeah, the, the, my bad, but he's here playing as well with Alcantara from uh, Philippines. Well, uh, on the challenger tour, it was Prague in April, but he played uh, a couple of futures events this month. All right, yeah. So back to the singles. Who are you looking at for the title here? You know, Christopher Runkat has to be back on the tour in order to uh, play the Poland Indonesia Davis Cup match that is coming. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually impossible for Indonesia to win because we're like bringing all of our best players for whatever reason. Uh, no, it, 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 never know, never know. It's Hurkacz, Zhuk, Mike uh Kubot, Zielinski, Walkov, and Pieczkowski. I mean, it's ridiculous. Seven wow. players, and you know, only five can play, and we're bringing all the best guys. I mean, I understand why Hurkacz and Zhuk are there because Zhuk wasn't probably going to play Szczecin anyway. But Mike Shack really should be defending his his final points in Szczecin. But well, mm. yeah, he it just seems like he's the kind of guy who wouldn't turn down a nomination. Uh, Janinski probably wouldn't want to play Szczecin with the ranking that he has right now, but I think guys like Valku for Kubot, yeah, yeah, that's that's a topic for another day. Uh, probably not on this show. <laughs> I don't really see a possibility of uh, that sort of another day happening. But yeah, as you mentioned, Dekamps and Marchenko already won their, their first round matches. Three others are going on. Jasika is up a set on Gunesvaran. If that can help our predictions somehow, Yun Chao Kete is tied at once at all with Gaio, and he had another medical timeout. So uh, yeah, it's not looking great. And there's also the blockbuster between Samray and Chanta, where Samray has just taken uh, an hour-long opening set, seven six eight six. The whole world has been waiting for this, <laughs> and and yeah. Uh, and when it comes to the winner picks, yes. Um, I'm certainly not going for someone like Kuhn because he has Zhukayev in the opening round. That's an awful draw for him. Kazol looked very good in the in the um well in the qualifying. Uh and that kind of scares me of Billy Harris as well. Yun Seong Chung, I suppose, is pretty dangerous as well. Dekamps is a serious option for sure. Uchiyama is a serious option, but he's playing Linam Hoang in the opening round. Question is whether the Vietnamese will have some, uh, you know, whether the Vietnamese will uh, have enough left in the tank. So Dekamps is certainly someone I'm considering. I follow Marchenko. Alastar Gray played, played quite well in the first week at Nontaburi. Uh, so I think that's a, a that's a serious option too. But whether I trust him against Jessica or Marchenko, mm, not sure. So I think I'm going to go with Gabriel Dekamps. Uh, if I remember correctly, that was your pick last last time, right? Yes, Dekamps didn't work out for me last week, so I'm sure that he'll win the title this week. But I'm not picking him. Uh, I feel like his his section in, in that quarterfinal, where it would be Uchiyama yeah. or Lee, it's quite tough. I'm going to go a different direction, and that is Omar Jasika, uh, who is, as you said, a setup right now. Gunesvaran plays Marchenko next, probably. Uh, well, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, I'll agree. I, I like his action to make the semis, and then once you're in the semis, anything can happen. So, Omar Jessica for me. Okay, uh, that's a pretty tough draw for him. Gunesvar and Marchenko, great. I like it. 
risky and uh, i think you should be going for a lot of risky picks like that in the upcoming months <laughs> anyhow this is going to be, to be it for this uh, for this time uh we're gonna be back next week to review the draft pick unless a qualifier is still going to be in the us open main draw by then uh which would have which, which would have to require like uh, a fair a fourth round or or even a quarter final so it's unlikely but maybe and other than that we're obviously going to be back to discuss Mallorca, Como, Toulouse and Nontaburi especially Mallorca which has become my favorite challenger event after after this episode <laughs> uh, just an insane draw there and some fantastic wildcard choices yeah uh we'll we'll see you later bye Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.